where I'm from. You know I'm from Murder Town. What we do? Stab them up and gun them down. When they fall, keep shooting to make sure they're dead. Where we hit them in their hearts and in their head. think i can hop on stage with you at your next show david and do that worst talents have hopped on and done (laughs) (laughs) i thought i thought i had something there for a second you think uh you think i was thinking that maybe if there's ever a show where you're sick or something i could hop in and just do a set for you well you might have noticed been at or attended or heard about I still usually play the show sick. Listen, Matt, you will have to get a haircut as cool as David's. Let me tell you why we got David on. Let me tell you why I'm wearing coarse paint. I've been infatuated with Norwegian black metal since I was in high school. And it's actually something that I've always wanted to talk to David Gunn about, of all people. And I'll explain why. It's because in music, but especially in metal and especially in black metal, there's a lot of hyperbole around it and some of it i get some people are playing a character and they realize they're playing a character and then other people i think might take themselves a little too seriously so what i always wanted to ask david was david when when king a10 broke out and you were telling stories of real experiences that you actually had um was it frustrating to maybe be bumping shoulders with guys that were telling stories that they read out of a book about elves or a fantasy book or experiences that they never had but tried to project what what was that like or is like by the time that happened i was an adult so i had this hmm, it might be laughable to say level of maturity now but uh, more mature than when I was a kid. When I was a kid, I had that same poser kind of attitude that the Norwegians had about yeah. about the music, because um, I was living that lifestyle. And it's the same even if you go to the rap and hip hop. It's the same. Yeah, it's just mostly because industry is industry. Um, where I come from, you kind of tell these stories as not as humorous, but kind of dark humor. Austin might be able to chime in about having a sense of humor and ability to laugh at dark things, even if. Oh, yeah. Gallows humor. Gallows humor. So uh, these are things you just talk about off the cuff. Well, anyway, you know, half of the things I talked about, I was already convicted of. It was public knowledge. Uh, so it wasn't uh, strange, and I learned pretty quick, though, that this really wasn't table talk uh, that you should be sharing, uh, because the industry is just that. It's just an industry. But it wasn't a thing where I was trying to come and this person or this uh, uh, this figure... It was more just my natural thing. This is how me and my friends talk. And I didn't think to self-censor or do something like that. 
if if that makes any sense. That makes uh that makes complete sense. It's kind of like I think Fifty Cent had even talked about that. He's like, I didn't run around and tell people look at my gunshot wounds, and the, he actually tried to kind of hide it because he got dropped when he got shot. He got dropped from the leg of a what label was that? It was I think it was Island, I I believe, um, but I, I could be wrong or it could be Columbia or something like that. But yeah, yeah, it was looked it was looked down upon, and I found the same thing happened um, with us but there was an up playing uh from the industry types they wanted to present this idea or run these what i considered corny stunts um campaigns pr whatever they wanted to put that there and they wanted to make things seem a certain way and it was fine because they were that way they were actually even worse i think i've been quoted in interviews saying that to the degree that an outsider can understand what we're talking about is no degree at all but the industry has no problem up playing these things if it's in their favor and the minute it kind of affects their interest or bottom line or their look or their reputation especially today it's more about reputation than it is uh bottom line but the minute it affects their back then they put the kibosh on that immediately and i i think that has a lot of parallels with black metal which we can get into well, this is what I was thinking with black metal. All the things that you had just said was as I look back on it and, and think about it, because when, when you first hear about it as a teenager, it's shocking. But what I think, what I'm thinking it was, tell me if I'm wrong, but I feel like black metal is really just a lot of one-upsmanship. It was guys who were trying to one-up Ozzy. They were trying to make their music harder than Venom or Merciful Fate. And so it was really out of a desire to go mainstream in some ways, I think, uh, where, where like Mayhem and those guys, that's kind of been my take on it as far as the roots of, of Norwegian black metal were really just the roots of showbiz. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think? Real quick before we do that, we do got to call Dave real fast. Dave's take. Hello? Hey, Dave, what's up? How are you, sir? Dave Landau here. So he's a, he's a native of Detroit. And then, uh, David, you are a native of Flint. We're talking about Norwegian death metal today. Are you a metal fan? I am. Oh, you are? All right, cool. Dave, I, by the way, my name's Matt. It's nice to meet you over the phone here. So I didn't realize that you were from Detroit, so that's awesome. Oh, very cool, man. Very nice to meet you. So uh, we got David Gunn from King810. He's from uh, Flint. So Dave, uh, the question that I just asked David Gunn here was, um, do you, first of all, are you familiar with any of the black metal lore from Norway? Like, have you watched the movie Lords of Chaos or read anything on bands like Mayhem or Gorgoroth? Yeah, I have. I've seen Lords of Chaos with Roy Culkin, and yeah. I've seen, uh, yeah, I, I know all about that kind of, uh, I don't know a ton about the music out of there. I've heard some of it, obviously, because I, I watched the movie, but I don't know a ton out of what's, you know, a ton of what came out of it. So my question uh, here right now is, was was really the, the Norwegian black metal roots just r the roots of trying of one-upsmanship, of just trying to one-up each other, trying to be more over-the-top than Ozzy, trying to be harder than Venom and Merciful Hate, uh, more so than it was guys who were, um, 
you know, had a core belief in Satanism and actually being uh, heavy metal terrorists, as they might call themselves. Yeah, that's well, that's what I think it was, was it was people trying to outdo one another and kind of start, you know, like they were starting fires, they were burning stuff down, and one of them actually ended up being a complete sociopath. So, it, it, yeah, it just kept getting worse and worse. Where I'm not even sure if at one point it was really about the music or actually about just, I don't know, burning down houses. I'm not really sure if it was which one came first, you know? Because uh, it's odd, because you can look at it, too. There's like, when you look at punk in the United States, there's, you know, you can look at Iggy Pop and go, okay, well, that dude's punk. You can almost look at the roots when you go to, like, the Grandy Ballroom and look at Alice Cooper. I mean, not necessarily punk, but where a lot of it came from, like the Stooges. And you go, okay, well, yeah, there's punk, it's different, it's out there. But then there's Gigi Allen, who's just cutting himself open and crapping on stage. And you're like, all right, well, is that really about the music? Or is that just seeing how far you can take it in front of an audience? Yeah, David Gunn's got my favorite take on Gigi Allen. He said, Gigi Allen's a pussy because he had to be high to do any of those stunts that he did. Yeah, I can see that. I think, yeah, and I think it's really his brother, more or less, too, who was a pussy, because he basically took a guy who was obviously mentally ill and was like, just go hurt yourself, and I'm going to take the check. <laughs> yeah, does that yeah. sound familiar? <laughs> like, like, yeah, it was just kind of ridiculous. So, yeah, it really, like, I don't even know, because I wouldn't call him musically talented if you really break it down. Like, have you ever seen the movie Hated? I don't think I have. Okay, it's by Todd Phillips. It was like his student film. He's the one that did like old school and the hangover and all that. And he basically followed Gigi Allen around and interviewed him and stuff. And like you, you see like the real guy. And it, it really is just a story of like a brother abusing his brother. And by the end of it, it's just like really shoddy, grainy camera footage of a guy like walking around, you know, like right before he ends up killing himself, which he didn't do on stage, which he kind of promised. <laughs> I know. <laughs> which I, he kind of promised. There, there's the documentary, <laughs> The Allens, which is, I don't know if you've seen that, if either of you guys have seen that, but it's pretty interesting. And then getting ready for this one, I was watching the documentary Until the Light Takes Us. And um, it was, they're just interviewing these Norwegian guys. And it's funny, like listening to their reasons for why they burned down churches and stuff. But Dave, uh, what you said reminded me of, I heard a story once that people who love Star Wars hate the movies, but they love the books and they love the lore and all of that stuff. But the movies are actually their least favorite part of Star Wars. And I kind of wonder, and David Gunn, I want to hear, I want to hear your take on this too. I wonder if the music is really second or last with black metal, if it's more about the image and if it's <laughs> if it's more about the, the brand of it than, it than it is the music. Right. I mean, that's really what I do think it is, especially with like Norwegian death metal, which itself is kind of an odd thing because when you, to me, when you think Norway, you think like, okay, Roald Dahl, James and the Giant Peach, like he had some adult fiction, obviously, but. It's just not really a country where you, you really do think death metal, you know? So, so I do think it's a way to kind of stand out. But I also think it's a way to create this huge market of posers that were also around. Like, I'm 41. I don't know your age. But when I was around in high school, it was the same with any kind of goth kid or any kind of metal. Like, the real punks you knew 
because after school they did death matches in the middle of Detroit where they were actually hitting each other with glass bottles and you're like, oh, that dude's for real. Like, he's really willing to hurt himself. Wait, did you go to any of these death matches? Yeah, dude, of course. <laughs> like, and trust me, I, 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 uh, I was a total drug addict, but I was not hardcore enough to do any of them. But I would watch, no problem at all. But uh, it, but the, it would create somebody where it's like, well, yeah, that guy is a mohawk and he's, you know, he's insane and he would do stuff that was crazy. But you knew the ones that were like, well, that guy just paints his nails. And he <laughs> listens to Marilyn Manson. It's not he's not really dangerous. He's, he yeah. just hates his dad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> David uh, Gunn, what uh, do you remember? Did they have these up in Flint's, these death matches with uh, bottles? Yeah, we we were on the news several times for these. uh death matches modeled after a lot of the japanese death match wrestling so i think that's what dave's talking about with you would have the barbed wire the razor wire that you would steal from the in torn down industrial plant that's been closed since the 80s you'd have the glass uh you know you have the ladders you're jumping off your buddy's house breaking your knee on his neck and did you do any of the fights david yeah yeah I, i've burnt half the freckles off my face uh with a gasoline uh flaming table match kind of thing that you would see <laughs> damn michigan is wild <laughs> yeah i don't were I, you, I haven't uh, been to a death match were you match. in ecw then was it around that time this was a yeah this was kind of around the time when you know you had to pay like 20 bucks to some unknown provider to get some shitty camcorder version of a ecw tape in the mail or something yeah yeah same deal right yeah it's exactly what i'm talking about so you get the like you get the cactus jack fight where he had to use actual barbed wire before he became mankind or you get yeah you get variations of like you know the the overseas fights where it was it was real glass real barbed wire even at the, like the state fairground in detroit they would use uh you know real real weapons it was pretty crazy but yeah like like david said same thing it was like glass barbed wire uh bricks like you would see different things that people would have laid out and they would have death matches between two people so uh david what do you th what is your kind of take on on the black metal thing are these guys uh harmless nerds or were they uh true terrorists i mean what's your whole take as someone in the metal scene um you know what was your to, what are your thoughts on Norwegian black metal? I'm sure it was something you studied as a musician growing up. Yeah, I think Dave kind of has it in a nutshell. There were the posers, and that's kind of where Norway came in. I can try to gloss over it, uh, the history, really quick. You know, yeah. it started with Venom, and Venom is English. And, you know, Venom would have lyrics like, we drink the vomit of the priest, make love to the dying whore, we suck the blood of the beast, and hold the key to death's door, right? And everyone was really into that. But then Kronos, this, you know, from Venom would go in and say, I don't preach Satanism and occultism or witchcraft or anything. Rock and roll is entertainment. And that's as far as it goes, which really means that's as far as he goes. So those were the kind of the poser figures of what Dave was alluding to. But in Norway, they seen themselves as the real deal. So when Dad from Mayhem shot himself in the face with a shotgun, which in a way, is the real deal. Euronymous blamed the socially accepted scene of death metal. He said, you know, he lived for the true black metal lifestyle, black clothes, spikes and crosses, and 
today there are just children in jogging suits and skateboards and hardcore moral ideals which has nothing to do with black and he wanted people to fear black metal and he claims that's why dead killed himself so i think norwegian black metal with the burning of the churches um and things like that those could be defined as real warriors for say something like a paganism or an old world old god thing that are really kind of acting as activists against um you know the invading what they called the revenge of the church you know the crusades or the church invading their their country they kind of had this nationalism for the old norwegian you know they're naming their bands after tolkien novel characters and stuff like that it's a little bit ironic but they 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 had an idea you know uh yeah yeah absolutely i mean yeah because they are fighting i mean they were completely opposite to what you would think of the country and i mean every story of their every band that seems to be legit has an extremely dark story behind it like to another level than like just say um American metal or punk or even England metal or punk. David, what are your thoughts on the whole? So I just want to dive into mayhem just a little bit deeper here. Uh, Cause they were kind of the guys that really, I feel like popped it off. They're obviously, uh, um, you know, leading that scene at the time. Um, when, when you look at dead, it just, it's kind of sad. Cause it just seems like he was a dude who had some serious, you know, mental health issues and was around somebody who was, uh, supposedly, Euronymous was constantly telling him, like, it'd be awesome if you killed yourself and was in his ear at all times. And then, um, you know, Euronymous ends up getting killed years later by Varg, uh, gets stabbed to death or whatever. And so the whole band is just kind of, uh, it, it's a very odd thing. So, yeah, I was going to say, David, what are your thoughts on the whole relationship with Euronymous and Varg, but and, and Dead as well? Yeah, this was before mental health was tr- a trending topic, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, he seemed like he was somebody who truly had some some issues, not not pretending. <laughs> yeah, the thing I the thing I kind of don't like conflating is black metal as Satanism. You know, the Norwegian idea, the paganism, the old gods and stuff. Those are what we would call today in politically correct speak Satan adjacent. You know. Okay. It's, um, as we know, the paganism and old world God worship, the burning of churches doesn't necessarily mean pro-Satanism. It just means anti-Christian. Yeah. And Satanism is even a, a weird term, but paganism is older than, than Christianity. And Christianity is a really hyper low resolution, black and white, binary, good and evil. So if you're burning churches, you are for the devil but if you don't really claim to be for the devil you're not really for the devil you're kind of just for the paganism and not and kind of against the invasion of the church because satan and christ kind of come in the same package you know people say that christ is derived from dionysus and satan has his derivatives in pan so these are all these all predate christianity and i i don't necessarily think if you're burning churches that you are satanist you just you just want record sales well you could want record sales too a lot of these guys were broke but i think lucifer comes in with with you know judaism and stuff like that and i i never make the leap to anti-christianity being satanism because satanism as defined by anton LaVey, is just a derivative kind of a derivative uh nietzscheism 
Yeah. So what 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 he's saying here is that um, you know, like if you listen to Varg from Mayhem Talk, he talks a lot about how Christianity had taken over Norway and extinguished a lot of their traditions. And when I listen to Varg talk, there's a few things. For one, he seems like someone who doesn't truly understand Christianity, but will sit there and tell you about it. The other thing um, that's interesting about it is that the first colonizer of Christianity in Norway was a Norwegian. It was actually a guy who was born and raised in Norway. So it wasn't like it it was somebody who came you know, from Italy or something and, and forced it down on people. So I, I thought that that was ironic when I was kind of doing research for this. The other thing I always think about with these guys, so what David's saying is they were, they they probably, these guys probably didn't even believe in the devil at the end of the day, which people like Anton LaVey, I believe, would say, oh, I don't actually believe in Satan. I'm basically just saying, Satan is just a metaphor. Well, Anton LaVey was really just trying to have orgies and meet celebrities. I mean, that was really <laughs> all that boiled down to was... I mean, that's why people are like, you know, Sammy Davis Jr. was a celebrity. It's like, no, or was a Satanist. It's like, no, he was a sex addict. Yeah, yeah that's, that's spot on because... Yeah, it's a completely different. Dude, we, we just, we talked to uh, Matt, had a conversation with Bruce Davis, uh, Charles Manson's right-hand man. And he agreed to talk to him. And he, Matt goes, so how'd you meet, uh, you know, Charles Manson, and he goes, "Oh well, you know, he, I, I ran into him, and he said that he had all these girls that were just super horny, and they were wearing them out, and asked me to take care of them." <laughs> so it's just like he's like, "Sure, I'll be in your family. Who do I need to stab?" Yeah, it's yeah, that's about yeah, it's spot on. You know, yeah. w- with what David's saying is that a lot of these guys, if you ask them, they probably wouldn't even believe in in Satan. They were just against. Christianity. So in their mind, they thought that they would burn down these churches and maybe reclaim that old pagan roots of Norway, right? Yeah, I think that's the difference between where where it seemed to start uh, with venom and and merciful fate and stuff. It, and then when the Norwegians and, and some Swedes came along, they took it um, to the next level because, as Dave just said, with Sammy Davis, you know, everyone in white America said that Robert Johnson was the progenitor of all evil. This is like when the devil became infused with music and blues and jazz used to be evil because blacks were in nightclubs, possessing the whites with devilish hymns. And then it was blues. It was slave songs laced with voodoo themes when the, you know, French brought, came over to new Orleans and then rock and roll with the Rolling Stones played with satanic imagery. Led Zeppelin plays with the Crowley imagery. You got the Beatles with Sergeant Pepper. Yeah. They're all playing with this satanic imagery and and everything's fine because they're selling records. But the Norwegians kind of took it to the next level. And even Ozzy t- kind of lifted his whole shtick from a band called Coven. And Coven used to record and re- kind of record and perform Black Masses live. And they actually predate Ozzy. And they have a song called Black Sabbath. And their singer's name is Oz Osborne. So you can put two and two together on that. Oh, wow. Look up Coven. And Coven no, that's interesting actually, you say that, too, because even with Blacks and Nightclubs and everything, they didn't even give the credits of that because Harry Belafonte was overlooked for being the first artist to sell a million records. They gave it to Elvis and basically blamed Blacks for it. And, you know, it was kind of completely overlooked because it was, yeah, being possessed. And any kind of musical shift could always easily, be, you know, be blamed on the devil. And it's like, 
when you when you look back at it now, it's like the song like Splish Splash, I was taking a bath. At one point somebody was like, That's the work of the devil. <laughs> like anything that, that shifted became some sort of, you know, element of Satan. So it it was always this very simplistic way to to uh ignore change or a shift in society. They called Elvis the king, but they said the hip shaking was, you know, from the blacks. You know, the the other thing with Satan, when people talk about uh, Satan and they use uh, imagery as the the pentagrams or whatever, it just I always think about Motley Crue with "Shout at the Devil," where when they when they would talk about it, they're like, "We were just, we just use the devil to piss people off," and I always imagine that there's always that element of it where they're just doing it to to piss people off, and they think it's funny, you know, and then you can you the band Gorgoroth, I forget the the guy's uh name, the the singer of Gorgoroth, I'll have to look it up, but when they interviewed him, that was the first time where I've ever seen a guy really double down on, you know, this music is for Satan or whatever. And I remember the first time Dave, are you familiar with uh that band uh Gorgoroth? Uh Vaguely, uh, I do know who they are, but I don't. I couldn't name a song or anything. I, I, just, I just like to interject here real quick. I'm absorbing all of this because while you guys were listening to black metal and death metal, I had Celine Dion CDs and TLC CDs. I had TLC too, and I, I wasn't raised by two men, so I didn't have Celine Dion. <laughs> <laughs> you know, talking about golf from 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 Gorgoroth. Well, this is kind of a funny tie to it, though, with, with something Landau just said, though, was. I remember thinking Gaul from Gorgoroth was super spooky, and then I read more about him, and I saw like he had been arrested for torturing a guy, and I'm like, oh my, and I keep reading, keep reading. I find out this dude's actually a homosexual, and it kind of sounded like maybe they were just having some BDSM thing that got a little bit carried away, and uh, he got arrested for it. So then I'm like, oh, I don't... <laughs> like, uh, it was like this real spooky... He's got all this makeup and hair, or whatever. I, I was kind of shocked to find out that he was gay. I, I didn't expect that. Now they would just make him the Flash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. His husband, or whatever it was, he was with a very successful hairdresser. And that's not a joke, although I'm here with a couple comedians. That's one of the cases where the reality is actually. Uh, comedic most evil guy in the world is just banging some hairdresser it's funny too because if you read like the columns from all these from the metal websites like when they're they're always like the mo the top 10 most evil bands of all time and gorgoroth will be on the list like three times but if you actually watch the interview with him where he's not trying to be you know gall from gorgoroth he just seems like a normal yeah dressed like liberace (laughs) not quite that far um David, David, uh, what is so, Landau? If you're not familiar with with King Eight One Zero, David Gunn, uh, they're essentially his memoirs. He talks about what it was like growing up in Flint, Michigan, and so these are true stories. Um, so, David Gunn, when you're listening to, when you look back at Gorgoroth or Mayhem and stuff like that, um, do you think it's comical? Does it frustrate you? Do you know wh- what are your thoughts when you when you see the images that they project? Whether it's the dead pig carcasses on stage and all the fake blood. I mean, as a musician, what do you think about that? Since Varge actually stabbed Euronymous on eight one zero, I believe that that was just a universal type of incarnation. I didn't know and that. Then we came out. Like I didn't know that. 30, 50 years later. I didn't, I didn't realize that. And, you know, in that documentary I was watching, they have a, they were talking about the Faust, the, he was another 
uh, Norwegian musician who's he, he's a drummer, yeah. And he had stabbed, uh, he found there's a homosexual guy that sounds like he made it came on to him. And so his response was to stab him to death. And they're talking to his friend and his friend was kind of like, had this arrogant attitude of like, I, I was kind of impressed because I didn't think he had it in, in him. And, and I'm thinking, okay, asshole, have you ever stabbed somebody to death before? Like this guy's acting like he's the gatekeeper of like, oh, I didn't think he actually had it in him to murder somebody. It's like, do you, have you murdered somebody? Why are you? being like pompous about this <laughs> i would like to get um uh landau you and guns take just uh since you know guns from flint you're from detroit so growing up in detroit what was your view what was everyone's view on flint flint actually to us seemed like it was a far more dangerous place like it really seemed more like a you know like a more Baghdad sort of a place than Detroit did. Uh, honestly, like when I first started performing in Flint, it was a lot different, but I mean, it definitely seemed like, especially the music scene definitely seemed a lot more hardcore. And I can't, I can't remember, but I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of Slum Village and I know that they claim Detroit, but I think a couple of them were from Flint. Um, but I remember it being just a very, I don't know, it was a very, very hardcore town. And when, you know, the water thing and all that happened, I wasn't surprised because Flint was, when I was, was always known, like when I was very young, like the only good thing that was ever done, I think, to, by Michael Moore was Roger and me saying like, why don't you actually build up something in Flint, like a Nike factory or whatever it was, because it was where cars came from. I mean, the people that protested for unions to do quality things. I mean, Flint actually stood for something in the automobile industry and the a town was destroyed essentially and Detroit sort of like that too where it was the you know it was the Paris of the Midwest where the assembly line was created people moved from everywhere to be a part of it and it was another city that was kind of destroyed by corrupt politicians over time and uh but to us uh Flint was a little bit I don't know a little bit scarier than Detroit was and I mean I used to go to raves and stuff in in Detroit and in both places but yeah Flint was a lot I don't know it was a lot sadder to us you know and I don't mean that as a negative it just always seemed very barren whenever you would go through there all right and then Gunn what is your take on on Landau's take and then kind of what you guys thought about Detroit yeah it's pretty much the same I we we thought Detroit what it's called the city we don't even refer to it as Detroit so it's kind of like the place where you can go and it's an existing city, although it is a shell of what it used to be. Um, we look at it like he says, this is a sad, kind of hopeless place. Detroit was kind of the hopeful place. It was one hour away and you could go and it's a, it's a real city because people don't realize Flint is pretty tiny. Uh, there's less than 100,000 people here. So going to a city of a few million was it was kind of cool i guess it's where all the you know the detroit had a mafia successful mafia one of the more successful ones actually they were known for the the electronic music a lot of germans came over and like set up in detroit whatever but we were just hopeless and shitty like we had repulsion and we just wanted to destroy shit and shoot people but in in Detroit, there seemed to be some type of, you know, financial industry. There was a car dealership and shit. You know, you thought this was a 
this was a legit city with people. And, um, you know, that was kind of the thinking growing up. That was where you went to the big shows too. You know, you didn't go, there was no big shows where I were in Flint when I was growing up. There was no venue that held more than a couple hundred people. There wasn't any, anything going on like that. So Detroit was where you, it was kind of like that second kind of twin city thing, but it was a much bigger brother. Uh, Landau, you should, uh, Gunn's got a book called Summertime in Murder Town, and he talks about growing up in Flint. And it's one of the few books I've ever read twice. Um, it's one of my favorites. It's honestly a really good book. You should definitely check it out. I will buy it right now, and I'd like to have it on my show as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Talk uh, talk about your show. Oh, uh, it's a new show. I just uh, started on the Blaze. It's called Normal World. Uh, we do sketches, uh, bands, um, all kinds of stuff that uh we're, we're just putting out there and we're kind of we're only on episode six episode seven comes out tonight I, I won't be there i'm out of time for a funeral but um i'll be back next week and we're just kind of doing stuff that's a little more reverent uh and different so we're trying to kind of recreate sketch comedy and as well as like late night talk and doing it in a way that's never been done before so i hope people tune in it's at the blaze we have some stuff on youtube and it's every tuesday wednesday and thursday at 10 p.m uh, yeah, I would. Re- I will definitely buy your book right now and read it. And I'm I'm very interested in that uh, because I I I would like to see what it's like to grow up in Flint because I've only seen it, you know, obviously from Detroit. And I think that's a really good point. You know, even going to see like Gore at Harpo's would probably be a bigger show than you could see in Flint. You know, at least when I was growing up. So it's I was lucky in that sense where Detroit did have a lot of excellent music and. Still to this day, like bands wanted to play Detroit. Like it's sort of a, a rite of passage and a staple because Motown was here. You know, we were, I was lucky enough to grow up with really amazing music from where, you know, I'm from. So I was lucky to grow up with such a rich music scene that. Yeah, you should get, uh, you should have King A10 on the show, Dave. That'd be awesome. That'd be cool. I'll have to check, uh, out the show because I didn't know you had started. I, been kept up with you over over the years just checking out uh, obviously seeing you on crowder and stuff but i i've uh i always try to keep up with people from the area even if it doesn't really matter you know like john witherspoon i always loved him because he was from detroit the day i met him uh i brought i did a a tv show with him which is cool but i worked with him and i couldn't tell what his opinion would be of me, you know, just being white and whatever. So I brought him uh, burners and better made chips and he couldn't, he could not have been happier. And he, he told me that his brother was a Motown singer that got shot. And, uh, dude, he was an amazing guy. I, and I, I, he had some crazy stories from growing up in Detroit. I think that's why most people think it's a rite of passage to play Detroit because they think if they play a tough city, they're tough. Absolutely. And I did honestly just buy Summertime and Murder Town, How I Survive, We're the Best Doc. Well, Dave, I appreciate you putting that quarter in my pocket, man. I really... Uh, well, that's a great title. It I is. Suck at titling stuff. It's incredible. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is. Landau, it, it truly is. A, it's a good book. I need to ask both of you, you two uh, Michigan boys, when Grit Sandwiches for Breakfast, Kid Rocks, one of his first albums came out, did you guys bump the song Yodelin' in the Valley or 
Or was that just me? What did what does Michigan think of Kid Rock? Well, hold on, I want to see if they, right, yeah, have you, you guys listened to Yodeling in the Valley, Gun Landau. I liked him a lot. I have nothing against him, but it just wasn't my cup of tea uh, when I was young. And that's not to be cooler than anybody. I I didn't mind Devil Without a Cause. Uh, some of his earlier stuff. Oh, this was way it, uh, before that. It wasn't really my thing. I mean, I'm happy to see him succeed, but he's in like Nashville, and, you know. <laughs> I was more into Eminem, to be honest, uh, at the time. Yeah. And, and uh, especially Bad Bad Meets Evil, because I think Royce the 5'9 is just an incredible rapper. I was just wondering if, you know, people um, in Michigan are, you know, proud of Kid Rock or if they just don't. Oh, they really... love him. Okay, cool. Dude, he sells out like the Little Caesars Arena like 10 nights in a row. It's bananas. Oh, wow. We are proud of anything that happens, by the way. We are even proud to get on the number one list for murders. Of course, Kid Rock no, is doing us huge favors. So we we love anyone that does anything. You know what? Right. I told this yeah. to I told David Gunn this, and it'd be cool to have Landau on it as well because we could do a whole episode on the music from Michigan, like Seeger, Kid Rock, Eminem, the Insane Clown Posse, King Eight One Zero. Dude, didn't didn't Seeger own a comedy club in Detroit at one time? Not that I know of. There is some. Uh, was, I mean, he's connected to Main Street, which uh, was that song is actually about Ann Arbor, Main Street in Ann Arbor, and the Main Street Comedy Club became the Ann Arbor Comedy Showcase. But I, I don't know if he had a tie. Okay, maybe it was someone had told me that um, he hung out there all the time. Was there a balcony there? I'm like, uh, he used to hang. He used to hang out at Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle all the time. Okay, maybe that's what it was. The uh, yeah. and then what was. So did you ever perform at a comedy club in Flint in like the mid 2000s? Well, yeah, there was a comedy club there briefly. I can't remember the name. Yeah, I performed there and I can't remember it either. And I can't find anything on. There used to be a bar I played called Maxie's and the comedy club was directly next to Maxie's. Yeah, And I can't remember the name of it. Yeah, I used to work there just bouncing people out on their head. Oh, dude, thank you. What was what was your craziest bouncer story? Uh... Someone tried to stab me, but that really wasn't crazy. They tried to stab me at work or not at work or whatever. And this, yeah. Yeah. It's just some, I can't think of anything really crazy. It's just more like, um, regular freaky shit where, you know, some guy's fucking some girls in the bathroom and whatever. He's drunk. You try to tell him to leave, even though you really don't care if he leaves or not you know but they want him out of there and you kind of think he's cool but then he pulls a knife on you so you got to break his wrist and shit and it's just normal stuff like that they had a lot of comedy in maxis though too what's normal to him <laughs> might be what's crazy to you it reminds me of chuck liddell had the story where a guy came up to him and said hey i'm thinking about uh doing mma i'm 10 and 0 in the street and chuck liddell said 10 and 0 that's a weekend in high school man so that's, that's like asking Dave about someone pulled a knife on you. It's like, yeah, man, that's uh, that's just living. I'm gonna cut you, man. Like one of those little knives from yeah, dude. Maxie's was out was nuts. I remember there was a guy who was wearing all purple and Lebanon was at war at the time, and he started he's screaming at me. I'm like, where are you from? And he goes, Lebanon. I go, well, so I'm sorry about your country, grimace, because you. And he went into the bathroom. <laughs> And he just started beating the shit out of the bathroom. And all you could hear was like him <laughs> punching everything. And then, yeah, some bouncers dragged him out and were beating the crap out of him, which might have been you. So that, <laughs> it was, uh, 
Yeah, it was, but like, yeah, there was always a fight. I don't know if there was one time I was there doing comedy where there wasn't a fight outside. There was always a fight. Yeah, there was usually just try to have the fight outside, but it was, that was back in the the times when you as a comedian know you could be a little bit more comedic. I like the Maxi sounds like the real roadhouse with Patrick Swayze, where there's just always a fight. You got to bring in the... And David Gunn was the Patrick Swayze character. Yeah, as opposed to two guys who want to police the speech. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. Do you guys got any final thoughts on uh, on black metal? I know we covered a lot of ground, and that's okay. I like that we can go down rabbit holes on the show. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to see if anybody had any other humorous or interesting takes at all with uh, black metal. Um, Gun, I'd kick it to you real quick, and then and then we could let Landau close us out. Does that yeah. sound good? My basic take is. I think the the media is kind of the the gasoline that kind of lets the genie out of the lamp. The the truth is Norway was a very safe, conservative couple million people, very rich, very coddled. These are people that had curtains and televisions banned in their country and dancing banned. And I think this type of thing was kind of a a taboo backlash, uh, yeah. a, a censoring and prohibiting kind of thing that was going on and so they banned curtains the other way like for your house yeah they're a super conservative place uh and i i think that was a backlash but again even our history of black metal that we just covered we 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 covered you know the main bullet points but it was probably an entirety 50 people so i don't think this would have turned into a phenomena like it actually ended up being in the u.s created a phenomenon as well if you remember the satanic panic oh yeah and the media takes these things and turns them into big horror stories where they of course uh following shortly after yeah. recommend that they have the one and only remedy to cure it so they did the same thing with reefer madness as we know and today they still create boogeymen's and i wish we did that to you the satanic panic in in school it was even in school they played some like 60 minutes piece on a kid that listened to uh judas priest and then shot himself in the face with a shotgun and his head was deformed and then he died and he was on like a swing swinging talking about how judas priest like told him to shoot himself and it was it was scarring and it actually they actually yes. did this if you remember c delores tucker against tupac and D remember they brought d snyder up in front of congress to make tipper gore look like a fucking idiot more so than al gore who would look like an idiot oh yeah he's in antarctica ago. right now just wanting he's like why didn't it flood he's sacrificing emperor penguins to the god elsa <laughs> yeah well the the point being you know it's it's hilarious today, but we have to remember that this was a real thing that created groups like this is how the CIA and ATF were created, by the way. You know, propagandic kind of media ginned up conspiracies turned reality, or if there is such thing. They could you imagine today running around thinking or saying that rap music is to blame for all inner city violence? You'd be laughed out of the room. No one would no one would go for that today, but we bit on it very much back in those days don't we blame the inner city violence on the new boogeyman and the new witch hunt the next the next villain that we that we come up with it's no longer rap music we got it wrong and now it's all right. no, and you have sam smith just wolfing down 
putting cops and dressing as the devil trying to get attention like that and they're like no 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 <laughs> like can we stop this please we need them we're to like, be somewhat attractive he, yeah, we're not blaming music anymore <laughs> he looked like there was one where like the picture of him and just like straps just accentuating all of his roles and he was just laying there like a little piglet the devil was supposed to be an alluring temptress like a very beautiful angelic very seductive singer musician all these things there is nothing alluring to any human being on earth about what sam smith portrayed did he just shart through his thong that's what people say when they go to his live shows <laughs> yeah yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's early spring they're like it's 45 out and he's just sweating <laughs> yeah why does it smell like funnel cake yeah this isn't exciting at all <laughs> we're just watching a man die early gun you've got uh king a10 they just had a uh an, an ep come out follow my tears check it out um check out the new king a10 store as well uh, Dave, Gun, do you have anything else to promote here right now? No, nah, I'm just waiting for Landau to promote his stuff so I can return the favor and do a purchase here live. Um, other than my new show on Blaze TV, I don't have much other than some upcoming dates at DaveLando.com, and uh, yeah, that's about it. So you're, uh, that's it. Yeah, all right. Which was more exciting, but that's about it right now. Yeah, and the show is absolutely um, hilarious, man. Your sketches are great. You want to check them out. There's one with, uh, I think so far, the pansexual one is one of my favorites, where you guys are just licking pans at a protest. It's actually, it's, it's actually attracted to pans. I'm tired of bisexuals taking our name. <laughs> yeah. I absolutely loved it. It was it was like, uh, kind of reminds me of like the Chappelle show, man. Uh, I like to see people taking risks again in comedy because... Uh, now the new thing is clapter. It's not even people laughing. It's just people. Oh, that point was important. <laughs> you know. So yeah, yeah. I'd like to. I honestly like to make very little important points in comedy. I just want to point out how ridiculous everything is. That's why I like the idea of every sketch. Is it's really just supposed to be six months into the future. I like that. I was watching a really good comedy special recently. It was super funny. I think it was. Uh, it's on Netflix from this chick. I think her name was Liza or Isa. Oh, yeah. She's a blonde. Eliza Schlesinger? I, I think so. She it was it was a pretty funny special, but the thing that bothered me was she stopped, you know, kind of mid show and was like, Hey, just to make everything clear, I'm I'm completely pro choice abortion, da 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 da. And they kind of state they're, you know, that they're on the good guy team. That got the loudest cheer and applause more than any joke she said for that hour and a half. That's what bothers me is I feel like you have to check these boxes in order for Hollywood to accept you now. And there's really no reason to do it because you don't need that anymore. You don't need the acceptance of the gatekeepers and anything from that. But that is true. I mean, the audience has to like the idea that you have to agree with a comedian or even a band or anything else makes no sense to me. Like, I never listened to like Easy Music Kid or like, you know, whatever metal band. And I was like, oh, I agree with everything he just said about murder. Yeah. I also grab bitches by their nappy ass weeds. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't well, be it's afraid. the same thing, it's man. It's only a dick. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it, it was the idea was you were to be entertained by it. And then all of a sudden we're supposed to agree with whatever every artist has to say. It makes no sense to me at all. I don't know when that shifted. 
but I've never had, I've never watched somebody because I've had to uh, be like-minded to them. Yeah. Th- that's why I like this show too. Cause it's like, as we talk, we may not always agree with everything we say, but I don't feel like an urge to be like, hold on, hold on, stop. We need to argue this out, you know? So uh, it's, it's okay to disagree with people. All right. Well, thank you everyone for listening to Toolshed Art Club. Of course, we have David Gunn and Dave Landau on, Austin and myself. We'll see you later.